Hello, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. I am Jared Cornut, joined, uh, joined, joined <laughs> uh, by my red bearded dragon friend, Matt Hensley. Matt, yes. how are you doing today? I am doing great. It has been a wild couple of days, of course, uh, as we recorded for our last week's episode, you know, with the pastor's conference election, mm. uh, getting back finally in the saddle to be able to preach uh, was great. And I know you were back at uh, yeah. Plymouth Park. So how are things going there? Yeah, actually, I haven't missed a Sunday in a while, so I, I kept preaching through. Uh, we left after Sunday to the convention, so things have been uh, going great. Uh, but God's been very kind to us this weekend. Uh, we've had a lot of babies born recently at the church, and I've started a new tradition that when a family has a baby, I smoke a brisket for them. And so uh, nice. I, it was a labor of love. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and smoked that baby to about uh, – I put it, on the, put it on the smoker at 4.30 in the morning and pulled it off at 3 o'clock. And so I uh, took it over there. It was, I tried it. It was delicious. Made some burn-ins. They were delicious yeah. as well. Uh, and that was great. Today's my anniversary. So happy anniversary to my wife, Candace. We got in the way a little bit last week. Uh, my mom flew to town and watched the kids for us. But yeah, we're doing uh, really, really well. Really excited uh, about what's coming up in the future for us here. We got a, a new guy, Tyler Armstrong. If you are a, a friend of the podcast, you know who he is. He's starting with staff today, actually. So uh, we're excited about all that well, we're not here to talk about those things, right? No, we're, we're not. About the annual meeting. Annual meeting. We promised because last time we talked about the first half of it, really, with the SIN conference yeah. that was replacing the pastors' conference. Now we're moving forward to Tuesday and Wednesday. But even before that, Jared, it wasn't mm. even known that it was going to happen. And exactly. uh, originally it was planned to be at the Opryland, Gaylord Opry, or, or whatever it's called there in Nashville. And yeah. uh, obviously, with how many showed up, that probably wasn't going to be possible anyway, but in the mix of all the COVID and all that kind of stuff, this wasn't a surefire thing going to happen. And uh, and I think JD was probably losing some sleep, wondering if he was <laughs> going to be president for four years, and a lot of heads were going to absolutely explode. Uh, but uh, but there's this gentleman that I did not know who he was uh, that was really responsible for all of that, the convention manager, Jeff Pearson. Uh, who gathered all the different parties in a virtual meeting and, and found a way to pull this off. And they did. And I believe they pulled it off. I, I think you would agree and uh, get your, your take on it. I could not have told, told you that this was in a different location, uh, just, you know, mm. 70 days before, 80 days before you could not have convinced me that that was the case. Uh, you could not have convinced me that it had basically completely changed venues and everything else. And really, <laughs> You couldn't have told me there was a pandemic going on uh, in the middle of that deal because I think I saw about three masks. And that there were no masks anywhere yeah. near yeah. the convention center. No, I mean, look, we were supposed to have this thing in Opryland, which would have been nice. Opryland's great. I don't think it would have worked at the Opryland with the amount of people that we had show up. So we, we moved this thing. We had to rebook hotels, and it was it was seamless. I mean, yeah, you had to stand in line a little bit to register for to get your messenger tag. But when you got that many messengers coming, it doesn't matter where you have it. That's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the room was set up. Everything worked flawlessly, uh, even uh, getting to the mic and all those different things. I mean, everything worked just like it was, it was planned to work. So I, I give Jeff Pearson credit because this could have been a colossal failure and a lot of people yeah. could have complained. But – I think it was actually in a better venue. That I love the Music City Center. Uh, I don't like that you have to go up all those escalators to get to where you're going, but once you get there, it's a great layout. You're in downtown Nashville, plenty of food options. 
And so that was great. And, you know, it not only was it not supposed to be where it was, <clears throat> we weren't supposed to have this many people. That's why they thought it was going to be the Opryland would be fine, you know, leading up to the convention. Like, oh, wow, 9,000 are going to come. That's a big deal. But when it was all said and done, we had 15,726 messengers, 3,823 guests, and eight, uh, 1,892 exhibitors for 21,000 441 in total attendance. And not only that, you know, Birmingham in 2019, we had uh, 3,428 churches send 8,183 messengers. This year, we had 5,570 churches send us 15,726. Yeah. Maybe, uh, without a doubt, in our lifetime, the greatest uh, turnout for an annual meeting, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I guess with the Atlanta one, you mentioned that, that yeah, that, there's just a lot of people. And uh, it, I guess that room, I think Kyle mentioned on our episode on Friday uh, that uh, he had gone to the overflow room uh, that when I guess we were going to have the presidential election. And he said, man, it was nice up there. It was cold. There weren't a whole lot of people. It was wonderful. And uh, so he is counted among the guests there. And both of us <laughs> are counted among the messengers. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they, they, yeah, we, we actually had to say, uh, Kyle <laughs> just filled up empty space. Uh, is it because he has uh, beer in his last name? Is that why he had to be a guest? Probably. Yeah. Uh, I think they said, you know, he's probably in violation of the Baptist faith and message. Uh, but, uh, while we were there, as we mentioned, there was a number of, uh, just elections and resolutions yeah. and, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And I shared with our church that one of the difficulties that pastors face is coming back and, and letting their church know what is going on. Because especially in our day and age, a lot of our people are on social media. Uh, God bless their souls if they are. Uh, they are certainly watching the national news. And, and I shared with our folks last night, this isn't a word about fake news or alternative facts, uh, but just the challenge that a journalist is going to have trying to cover what, what really amounts to 47,000 completely and totally autonomous churches mm -hmm. with millions of members across this country, all with different opinions and chances to disagree, yet somehow, some way, we can come together, 20,000 of them in this room, disagree, yet leave sending thousands of church plants, thousands of missionaries, funding seminaries and everything else. And yet nobody in Nashville can tell us to what, what to do. You at Plymouth Park can't tell us what to do. I can't tell you what to do completely and totally autonomous. And so sometimes the national news and so forth has a hard time being able to relate to that and know what that even means or how to, to word it. And uh, Jared, I don't know if you shared with your folks anything, but one thing that I shared was how, you know, disagreement is, is healthy. Uh, right. You and you and Candace are celebrating your anniversary today, and we're not going mm. to ask about your latest argument. But there have been times that you and Candace Dishes. disagree. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. There's Rebecca and I, we, we don't argue a lot, but sometimes we do. And uh, it's a healthy thing when people that are in relationships together in, in some shape or form have some varied uh, opinions and have some disagreements. And so we are called to be united, but not clones. And so having those differences, opinions is a sign at times of health. The question though, as Bart raised on a blog, uh, was the health of the SBC is not measured whether or not we have disagreements. It's ultimately that we can come together with some kind of a resolution about those disagreements that is a healthy one. And then he said, that's what happened. And so 
Jared, you were there. We had resolutions that touched mm-hmm. on some of the most controversial topics in Southern Baptist life today. Right? We yeah. covered racial reconciliation, the insurrection, church sex abuse, religious liberty, uh, the LGBTQ movement, and we discussed all of them a lot. <laughs> in fact, we extended that time a few times. Uh, yes. We adopted every one of the nine resolutions that we had time for with strong majorities, even the most controversial one on the sufficiency mm-hmm. of Scripture for race and racial reconciliation. Uh, we did have hotly contested elections, and we're about to talk about that with Ed Litton and Lee Brand, and is it uh, Ramon Medina? Was he the second yep. vice president? Mm-hmm. So we had some of that, uh, and uh, but we stood firm on sex abuse. We held the line against some power grabs, and we did this with 20,000 people, or like you said, almost 16,000 messengers, all having differing opinions, all uniting together in this hot as Hades room to send missionaries and plant churches, and I think that's pretty awesome. And so what yeah. what are your thoughts thoughts there? Yeah, a, a lot of thoughts, obviously, about the annual meeting. Uh, I read uh, that during it, there were 32 motions made from the convention floor, which is the most since 2010. So obviously we had a, a lot that we wanted to deal with. Of course, some of those were rolled out of order. Um, but when you don't meet for two years, that's a hard thing to do, especially, I mean, in Birmingham, there was some controversy about the way things ended. And so we, I think a lot of that was resolved uh, at this annual meeting. Now, for some folks, they would say, no, Jared, it was not resolved, and we need to resolve more in Anaheim. But I think that, by and large, like you said, when the votes went up, the majority of the room affirmed these resolutions. Yeah. Uh, there was even a resolution brought out of committee that was uh, controversial, and it passed as well. Uh, for people, it passed overwhelmingly, really. And then these motions were made and, and different things. And then we, we obviously had a very close presidential election uh, between Randy Adams, Mike Stone, Al Mohler, and Ed Litton. Um, Ed ended up winning by about 600 votes in a runoff against Mike Stone. Um, he got 52% of the vote, uh, about 48% for Mike Stone. It was, it was a close race. I mean, people were very invested in this. I think Steve Gaines did a good job of noting, though, most of our SBC elections are pretty close when it comes to this. But, yeah. you know, there were some people shouting at a couple points, and J.D. Greer had to kind of pointedly tell them, please don't do this. But by and large, when you get 16,000 people in a room with 16,000 different opinions, you know, even more than that, really, when you get 16,000 Baptists in a room, you get about 32,000 yeah. opinions, right? Yeah. And yeah. so for us to get in a room and, and overwhelmingly agree on most things, it tells me that Baptists are more unified than we are divided. Sure, I may have had a preferred candidate for what we needed to do, where we needed to go in terms of um, who we need to elect. But at the end of the day, I believe all these guys believed in the Bible, the sufficiency of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture. I just think one guy had a better vision of getting there than the other. That's why I voted for the person I voted for. But I think at the end of the day, we're much more united than we are divided. And that's what I've told my church. They said, you know, how was the annual meeting? I said, well, it was, I, I walked away very encouraged. I walked away very encouraged by the way we handled ourselves, by and large. Were there some shenanigans? Well, sure. You know, there were some interesting protests happening outside. There was a new Baptist publication that I never heard about that was passing out some newspapers. <laughs> but by and large, we handled ourselves very well. I said the annual meeting for me was full of laughter, hugs, reunions, uh, catching up with people, and then affirming what we believe is Baptist. Yeah. And I believe that's what we did in Nashville. We heard great preaching uh, at the pastor's conference and uh, from uh, J.D. Greer and from uh, Willie Rice uh, at the at the annual meeting as well. And so I, mean, I just walked away very encouraged. 
But, you know, there was still, I think Baptists uh, didn't just fall in line. We, we can look at the, some of these executive committee votes, right? And it shows that there's some places where Baptists say, we need some accountability. We want things done differently. So I would say our voice was heard in Nashville. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so for sure. You know, I, I think just at several turns, I guess the executive committee, uh, which is an 86 member body charged with acting on the SBC's behalf between annual meetings, as the Baptist press clarified, it, it did draw some opposition. Uh, and, uh, but, but I like what Ed Litton said is that we're a family that may at times seem dysfunctional, but we do love each other. I didn't feel like even in some of the resistance to the EC and so forth, this was out of hate or, or spite, at least not everybody. And, and certainly the people that were voting, maybe some that were making motions and whatnot uh, may have different opinions that, that they would add. But you had Grant Gaines uh, get up there and move that the president, who, whoever that was going to be at this point, I don't guess we knew, was going to appoint a task force to oversee uh, the previously announced investigation into the EC. And while, while that might seem like just kind of punching the EC in the teeth, uh, it, at least on, on the surface, it also is probably the wisest thing to do uh, to, to remove any kind of doubt over what that, uh, how, how that investigation was going to be handled. You know, if I'm going to, like, if, if something has been alleged against me and I'm going to launch the investigation uh, myself, it, it's not going to clear up a whole lot of doubt, even if it's done well <laughs> and done right. I mean, it's just, you, you kind of, you got to get innocent it. of everything. Yes. I am innocent, and uh, and I'll prove it with this. Like my wife, she's going to say whatever. Uh, you know, it's like that's not the way it's going to work. But with with this, if you do make it truly a third party uh, deal, uh, I think it has at least the chance to. And and I pray and I hope that everything is completely cleared of wrongdoing, and it yeah, seems like all of this was a total waste of time. But it's not a waste of time if it can bring back some confidence in the EC and, and the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole, especially regarding this, because, yeah. you know, some people, you know, said, well, I thought the gospel was above all. Why are we always talking about sexual abuse? Well, you know, if you want people to be safe in, in our churches and be able to hear the gospel that is above all, all that, they need to know that they're safe. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, uh, and so I thought that was good. And, uh, you know, along the way, we also had the other, uh, guys elected, uh, Lee Brand. Uh, we had, uh, I think we shared earlier, uh, Ramon Medina uh, elected to first and second vice president. We had Juan Sanchez, the pastor of High Point Baptist Church in Austin, became the first Hispanic elected convention preacher. Yep. Uh, and so he's going to preach in Anaheim, thus pretty much removing uh, him from my list of prospective people to, to call and ask for the pastor's conference. He, I can't let him do both. But dude, I love that guy. He is so encouraging, so awesome. Great preacher. He's too. going to do great. Uh, we have a number of committees that are also diverse. A majority, 51% of Greer's presidential appointments to committees were non-Anglo, as were 30% of those elected to serve on boards in committees. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that's a sign of hopefully what is to, to come. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I, I love Greer's, Greer's deal where he says, people of color, we need you uh right we we say we're better together but sometimes that just means we're better our people together you know we mm. we want the people that think like us all of that but no southern baptists across the board we truly are better together no matter 
race, background, all of that kind of stuff, big church, small church, everything, and and working together to pull this off. So any other thoughts on the SBC annual meeting? Yeah, uh, it was just a great annual meeting overall. And, you know, just to really highlight, we've said this before, but we, we commissioned 64 new IMB missionaries. And we were heard a report from NAM that we've planted 8,200 churches in the last 10 years, and they comprise 17% of all the Southern Baptist churches. And they represent nearly 19% of all the baptisms in the SBC. That is why we cooperate together. Yeah. For the sake of the gospel, because the gospel is above all. It's above everything. And so, yeah, Matt and I may have some differences in our ecclesiology. We may have differences in preferred candidates running for office. I certainly didn't want the guy to get elected to pass this conference that did, but he did, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, Matt wants people to come to know Christ. Jared wants people to come to, people to come to know Christ. And so we cooperate together, putting our resources together, because Plymouth Park and Mayhill combined can do more than we can do apart. Yeah. And yep. that's why we do it. And so that's why I left Nashville saying I'm in this to the end because I believe in it. Yeah. And that was something I shared with our church. I said at our size, maybe, maybe we could pull all of our, our resources and, and pull everything out of the CP and be able to fund one missionary at, yeah. at our size, uh, maybe one church plant. And we're talking about it would just depend on where it's located, all that kind of stuff, because it mm-hmm. would still be pretty close. And that guy would not be living a, a fun life. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's going to be living his best life now. Yeah, no. And, uh, but, but yet when we link arms with first Cloudcroft, first Alamogordo, Bethel Baptist and Alamogordo, and then, you know, beyond our association to the other 300 churches in New Mexico, and then all of those churches in link with Texas and Oklahoma and all this kind of stuff Mm. that, yeah, we, we can send a whole lot of missionaries and church plants across the way. And here's another neat thing. Uh, before we wrap up with our Southern culture topic is we didn't just say this is what we're doing to send them to do, uh, Mm -hmm. right? With missionaries and church plants that, yeah, we're sending them over to China or to Africa or whatever it is. We also had some people that were being missionaries while this was going on. That was encouraging to me. I certainly don't think this was done because I had that article about, you know, being a witness in uh, uh, Nashville, but (laughs) certainly this is because we're gospel people. And so right. you get a gospel person next to a lost person, and it's going to be very hard not to share the gospel. And I'm going to put this article in the show notes about Southern Baptist minister to Music City Center workers during annual meeting. Obviously, because we went from thinking there might be eight or 9,000 to you know 20,000, they had to bring on more staff. And, uh, and you're surrounded by all of these crazy Baptists that are sweating profusely and everything else. And uh, yet... There were many stories of people sharing the gospel, some even being led to uh, Jesus. Uh, We had a New Mexican pastor that uh, was spotted by one of our church planting catalysts here sharing the gospel. Just he was walking to one of his uh, meetings or, you know, maybe the lunch or whatever it was. And Mm -hmm. here's a guy coming the other way. And he just stopped him and, and had a gospel conversation right there. And, uh, and so it's really neat to not just say, Hey, Go over there and make disciples in Africa or Russia or whatever, and and go. You you plant this church in this very difficult area. Uh, no, right here, right now, you had a a large missions force of twenty thousand people in one location. Hopefully, at least two people, three people, four people. Hopefully, many more than that heard mm. the gospel. And something we shared on Friday was that everybody that I talked to. And I, I heard this, especially in the uh, parking garage, 
where they were saying, you people are so nice. I've had people praying for me. I've had all this, even one like is given a tip. This person isn't parking a car. They're just handing you a ticket, you know, to, (laughs) to, you know, let you in. I mean, so we had a lot of people that were really being good witnesses in Nashville. And so that's really cool. And you have a story as well. Yeah. We, uh, on our way back to the airport, we use this app called earth and it's kind of like Uber, but it's for uh, Tesla's uh, and electronic cars. And it's a startup in Nashville. You know, it's cheaper than the Uber. That's why we took it. And the guy's driving us. And as he's driving us, um, he asks, you know, why we are. It's kind of interesting. I think he thought me and my executive pastor were a couple <laughs> that were vacationing. Well, it and was then, Pride Month, man. It, it, it was. And then he found out we we're pastors. And he goes, oh, what a nomination. I said, son of Baptist. He says, oh, you probably hate me. I said, well, brother, why would I hate you? <clears throat> he said, well, kind of because of my lifestyle. And, you know, I'm Catholic as well. So I don't hate you. And we start talking. This guy is from Dallas. He's actually right down the road from Plymouth Park Baptist Church where he grew up. And he's moving back to Dallas because the company's going to uh, start a second uh, branch in Dallas. And so we had the opportunity just to share the love of Jesus with him and uh, give him my card and say, hey, when you are in Ir- uh, back in Irving, we want you to come visit Plymouth Park. And he said, I will do that. And here, and he gave us some ways to pray for him. And so we're praying for him. And hopefully when he gets back out here, hopefully early next year, we have a chance to connect with him. And so uh, I forgot who said it, but it, I prayed every morning. God opened a door and opened my mouth. And um, every day there's a chance for that. So, yeah. well, let's move to our center culture topic, Matt, as we bring this to a wrap. And you well, have the – oh, go ahead. I, I, I want to tell you, man, uh, I nearly made a mistake at the front of this uh, episode because I said I was going to order the triple X uh, Nashville hot chicken at uh, Prince Charles or something. Prince's, yeah, uh-huh. I don't know what it was. And, uh, but I thought that might be the appearance of evil, uh, because I like hot, uh, right. but the double X was plenty hot for me, but here's, what's even cooler about that is I did not get to Hattie B's, uh, princess was great. It was yeah. absolutely delicious. Uh, but Rebecca, when she went to the store, she picked up some Nashville hot chicken seasoning and Come last night she had thrown some chicken breasts and some barbecue sauce just in the crock pot after uh, church and just put it yeah. on low that whole afternoon. And, and uh, after the evening service, it was the most tender, delicious chicken that I ever had. And then I'd gotten two of the chicken breasts. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to spice this other one up, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of the guy that, hey, first couple of bites, I'm not going to add anything to it, right? right. No pepper, no salt. I, you know, I, I'm going to give it a shot first. And then... I threw our Nashville hot chicken seasoning Mm. on it, and it was absolutely the best chicken I have had in my entire life. It was so good. A mix of barbecue and the Nashville hot chicken seasoning. It was delicious. What about you? No. (laughs) I did not have any hot chicken while I was in Nashville. I've had it plenty of times. Hattie B's is, is my favorite in that area. Uh, I don't like food as spicy as Matt does. I can handle a little bit of it. I actually went last night and got a corn bowl. Uh, <laughs> you ever had a corn bowl before? And she put way too much of the red stuff in it, and it was lighting my mouth on fire. Uh, but let me tell you this. I, we went to a place in Nashville. Now, we, Matt, you and I would get sushi one night, and I think you would not recommend that. Uh, I would recommend well, it. Well, I love sushi. I just got the – I don't know what to get. And the one, and all I asked the lady was, I just don't want it to taste like fish. I need it to just taste like something else. I don't want this raw fish to taste like fish. I don't want it to be fishy. And so I love super white tuna. That Mm -hmm. is my favorite. It just melts in your mouth. 
And I said, I want something like that that doesn't really taste like that. It just tastes good. I don't know how to describe it. She's like, oh, salmon will do that. But you have to like completely commit. You can't just take a nibble yeah. and see if no, you're going to no, like all it. All in. So I, I shoved that whole giant wad of salmon and rice into my mouth, and I thought it was going to immediately come back up. And I sit, slid that plate over to Jay Allen, who I think would eat anything as a Sasquatch. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't. Maybe if you throw some Nashville hot chicken sauce on it, I might throw it down. I felt so bad about it that I bought Matt and Rebecca some fried Oreos, so they yeah. wouldn't, they went starve the night. But we had that was good sushi. That was good sushi yeah, right there. On them. We had a place called Steam Boys. Uh, I'm sure they got a couple of locations. There was one in the uh, little mall area right there. I forget what they call it, the uh, little food court. And I got some bao and I got some dumplings. And oh my gosh, they were some of the best I've ever had in my life. So if you live in Nashville, Steam Boys, look it up. It is fantastic. But Nashville Hot Chicken, I mean, that's kind of a Southern culture thing right there. And so, man, I'm glad you get to go in all in it and enjoy it. Put a little white sauce on there next time with it, and yeah, you'll be we'll good see. to go. We'll see. I'd give it a shot. But you know me. I don't know moderation when it comes to that. And so – You don't know moderation a, when it comes to anything. I know. That's probably true. So, well, man, you want to send us out? Because yeah. I'm ready to go. Yes. I'm friends, looking at your face. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Friends, thank you again for coming to the Potlet Podcast. We hope that you had your fill. We hope that you had your full. Join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist same hour. Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends. Toodles.